new drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Everybody, welcome afternoon drive. Goodman Fry, watch us, mileisports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at T Fry at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to rmfp.com with all the excitement about the Avalanche winning the Stanley Cup. Nuggets make a big move today. Time now for the lead. The lead presented by Sasquatch Casino in Blackhawk. The deal will become official on July 6th, but Nuggets this morning trade Will Barton and Monte Morris to the Wizards for Cantavius Caldwell-Pope, also known as KCP. And moving forward, that's how we will refer to him as. And Ish Smith. When you first saw the trade, what'd you think? KCP and MPJ on the floor together will be good. Yep. Well, it's better than Nikola Jokic and Jovich. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh... They've been shopping Morris in the off season, and we're trying and we're trying to shed Barton too. Mm-hmm. And this is essentially a two for one. Ish Smith is a nice little player, right? This will be his thirteenth team, and KCP is a good perimeter defender, a good overall player. He's an excellent perimeter defender. Excellent. Ex- he has length, and that's what GMs look for. They want guys who are long. Picture Scottie Pippen, six foot seven, but long with a wingspan. Think about the kid they drafted out of UCLA. I have no idea if he's going to be any good, but he fits those measurables of being long. And GMs want guys who have long arms and wingspan because they just inherently have the opportunity to become better defenders. But they also get there's a financial component too that gets them under the cap at least for now. I don't think that had anything. You don't. To, if, no. they, if they want to make other moves, it, it no. opens a little bit of room. No, they're going to make the moves. With Jokic being a two-time MVP, anybody who believes they traded Will Barton for cap reasons... They have room and options now. As I, as I, I don't know if we were doing the show together, but I talked to an NBA source with intimate knowledge of the Nuggets thinking, and they said to me before Tim Conley left for Minnesota, and Danny will back this up because I put this right on the air, the number one priority this offseason was to trade Will Barton. Yes. He has an expiring contract, so it's attractive to After somebody this else. Season. When you look at Monte Morris, does his talent is his talent better than what his contract is because he has two years left? You can make the case. He's he's not a starter. He's a starter in this league if you have to make him your starter. He's better coming off the bench. But let's think about this logically. What do you need Monte Morris for if you have a healthy Jamal Murray? You have Bones Highland as a backup. Yes. Those guys are going to play over Monte Morris. And I understand maybe you could have gotten more trade value for Monte Morris. But you know what more trade value means? You're getting more bench guys. And hold on. And then with Will Barton, they wanted to deal him anyway. They traded two guys who should be backups. And I mean this sincerely. I have been... I'm not the front runner on this. I agree on I agree on that part on Barton. I don't agree on Morris because he was really the best point guard they had. 
Yeah, because they didn't have Jamal Murray, and Bones Highland was a yeah. rookie. Yes, last year, but this is this year. Jamal Murray is coming back, and Bones Highland should be getting more playing time. But w- when you look at it as a whole, if you trade Monte Morris, you're getting some backups. So I guess the question is, like like for Christmas, because you celebrate Christmas, do you want two marginal gifts or one great one? <laughs> one great one. There you go. Thank and, you. And I, and I, you're welcome. I am not suggesting KCP is a great player, but what does he bring to the party last two years combined? Tenacity. What, yes, terrific defender, and they desperately need perimeter defenders, but, and, and he's terrific, and the last two years, he has combined to shoot 40% from three-point range. But, so they got a three and a D, exactly what they were looking for, if, and a guy in the starting line. But if we're going to congratulate them so much on their financial aggressiveness, I mean, the, the Jamichael Green trade in this, it freed up $15 million in salary. Right. Okay. It gives him room to do things. What do you, without without necessarily without necessarily going over the cap when the fiscal year starts. I could be wrong, but I believe because of this trade, the mid level exception now goes up by about a million or two. So yes. it helps them there. This is not about a salary dump. This is about a look at these things individually. They wanted to get rid of Will Barton. Mission accomplished. But it puts them under the cap. I don't know how that is not a salary dump. Listen to me, please. They wanted to get rid of Will Barton, right? Forget about the salary. They wanted to dump him. He's not a good team player. No. He is selfish. Michael Malone had to be talked into that concept. No, he didn't. Well, maybe. It was Tim Conley who had to be talked into it. When you you look at Calvin Booth, he has no ties to Will Barton. He doesn't care. Yes, if we want to be cynical, we can say (laughs) it was a salary dump. But let's look at the facts because it's lazy analysis. It's not not a dump. Not you. Not you. It's lazy analysis to call this a salary dump. And here's the reason why. Will Barton should not be a starter on this team. He is a backup. He is selfish. He believes he should be a starter in this league. And he's, he found out last year not one GM was willing to give him starters money. He's not a guy who should be on your team, period. They were looking to get rid of him. Not to mention, he really wasn't that expensive anyway. It only $14.7 million, or roughly that. Then you look at Monte Morris. I understand he's affordable. Where do you play him? You're not going to play him ahead of Bones Highland, and you're not going to play you're him... Not- no, you're not. You're, re- you're ready to make that. I'm ready to say that make I want that move with Highland now. Yes, I'm ready to see what this kid can do. Absolutely, I am. And I say that with 100% certainty. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely 100%. No doubt about it. We know what Monte Morris is. He's a nice player. You got to give your draft pick, who has shown potential, a chance to play over Monte Morris. He becomes your third point guard. What do you need him for? Unless there's an injury. Now, you can make, this, you can make the case mm-hmm. if you want to. They are banking on Murray and MPJ being healthy. Yeah. That's not unfair, but this is not a salary dump. They traded two two backups for a starter, and now what you have is you have offense and hold on, you have offense in Murray, MPJ, if he's healthy, I get it, and Jokic, and two terrific defensive players. Now in your starting lineup, in KCP and Aaron Gordon. You can make moves based on financial principles. Not because you're cheap, but because it gives you other options. Sure. I think that's what this was. But you're but people are calling it a salary dump. Well then those people are dumb. Right. It? It's not a salary dump by any means. It's a, there's it's no a, place for Morris and there's certainly no place for it, Will Barton. Salary, I would drive the guy to the airport if I had the opportunity. It's a salary move based on the premise that it gives them more options. That's right. But it's not that they're looking to be under the, the luxury tax. Let's see what they do with the mid level exception. Let's see who else they bring in. 
right? Mm-hmm. Because now I believe they can spend more on the mid-level exception. It gives them, it gives them the exceptions and, yes. and flexibility. The Nuggets are better today, period. They now have a starting lineup. They finally have somebody who might be able to sort of guard Clay Thompson or Poole or Steph Curry. They, you know who's guarding those guys? Aaron Gordon. <laughs> you can't have your power forward guarding perimeter guys. So now you have three potentially, not potentially, one is unbelievable. You have Jokic, who's the best all-around player in basketball. You have Jamal Murray, who's coming back from an injury, but he is, his trajectory is going up. And MPJ, you'll see if he's healthy. But then you have two defensive guys who are capable on any given night of scoring 15 to 20 points. Explain to me why it's so important that their contracts are expiring after next season. Because. I'm not being a smart ass. I really, I really want to know. The reason why you make that move is, is because maybe you look at a free agent class for next year and you want to shed that salary instantaneously. You know, the Wizards aren't going to compete. No. We know that. So they want to probably take on a bunch of expiring contracts. Wouldn't surprise me if they did it all. They they just did with Will Barton. Have fun with him in your starting lineup. Okay, <laughs> this is why Will Barton needed to go because he fancies himself as a starter. He fancies himself as a starter, and he had an unbelievable opportunity to score twenty points a game with no Murray, no MPJ, and he was third behind Aaron Gordon. That's why I don't want him on the roster. Why did it take so long to discover this though? Because Tim Conley doesn't want to trade his Baltimore boy. That's why, because both are from Baltimore. And the problem with Tim Conley, and I love Tim Conley, very good eye for talent. He falls in love with his guys, kind of like Dick Monfort does. Mm -hmm. He loves his guys, and he doesn't want to trade them. But that's his blind spot. For Calvin Booth, he doesn't care. He doesn't have an investment in these guys. Is this an imprint of Calvin Booth? Yes, and honestly, I don't know if Tim Conley makes this trade. Meaning, I don't think he includes Monte Morris in this deal. Mm-hmm. I think, yes, he would he would have bit his tongue and he would have traded Will Barton because most people in the organization wanted him gone. But I don't know if he would have pulled the deal knowing Monte Morris would have to be could a part of it. Could he have gotten KCP in that kind of a deal? No, because if, if they could have, they would have made that deal. And then you would mm-hmm. trade Monte Morris and probably get more value for him. Because according to Mike Singer of the Denver Post, a whole bunch of teams wanted Monte Morris. And I can see that because... Do you believe that? I... I- and again, I'm asking with the. Do you believe that? Or are you going to keep questioning journalists that you don't no. that you don't know? No, I'm just saying. I yes, I believe Mike Singer because I think he's credible. Okay. Yes. I, why do you Why do you question journalists that? Because I've been in journalism for so long. I want I can sit here and ask whether that's credible without saying they're full of you know. We what. okay. Well, I'll say this. I say this with all due respect, and I'm going to be as silent as I can about this. But I'll be pretty direct with you. One of the most unethical journalists out there, you know. He's not credible. Don't quote. Don't question Mike Singer. I didn't question Mike Singer. I don't know Mike Singer. I well, just asked a question about whether, whether, you believe people telling you things that everybody wants Monte Morris. Do you believe that? Well, according to whoever his sources. That's what he was told. But I have a suggestion because now you have the opportunity to get any press credential you want. Start going to games, build your own source, and then you can tell me if Mike Singer's wrong. Okay. There we go. Come on, Terry. No, Eric, that's wrong. Coming up after the break, Jared Bednar went on the radio today. And guess what? He released the injuries of all of his players, kind of like Tampa's GM did. 
and wait till you hear what Darcy Kemper went through. That's next. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive, Goodman Fry. Watch us, MileHighSports.com. You can reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed. At T. Fry, at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to rmfp.com. In the meantime, I want to tell you about Mighty Plumbing and Heating. I got my HVAC unit from them last year. There was a heat wave. I can't remember the actual date, but my HVAC unit busted. They were out of my house the next day. They said they were going to show up at noon. They didn't show up at 12.01 or 12.30. They showed up exactly on time. My HVAC unit was like 17, 18 years old. They replaced it with RUD, which is the best product out there. Could not be any happier. Customer service was great. The parts were great. RUD is terrific. Everything about it was such a great experience. There's a reason why they have over 800 five-star reviews. And then Mandy, she had a problem with her garbage disposal, and she sent this text to me right when those guys left. And this didn't go on Google. She sent it to me personally. She said, oh, my goodness, Mighty Plumbing just finished up, and they were amazing in all caps. Dominic and Scott, wow, great team, efficient, professional, great guys. This is who you need to go with, Mighty Plumbing, Heating, and Air. You can find them at MightyPH.com. Time now for The Buzz. The Buzz is presented by Mighty Plumbing and Heating. Why does Mighty Plumbing and Heating have over 600 five-star reviews? No one has better service, and they will meet or beat any written offer. Go to MightyPH.com. So one day after Tampa's GM purposely put out all of the injuries to his players, Jared Bednar went on a local radio show today, and he spilled his guts about all the injuries as well. Saying about Darcy Kemper's, I was so bad he needed to see an optometrist two to three times per day to retrain his eye. Nachuchkin, broken foot. Burakovsky, broken foot and thumb. Kadri, broken thumb. Gerard, broken sternum. Helm, abdominal tear. You think it was on you think he did that on purpose? Yes, probably. Uh it, it was not a direct response to Tampa Bay's release because I think he would have probably said it on the air anyway, given that it was a friendly audience. It was on altitude radio. It was in a giddy situation. I think he probably would have alluded to it, but he also probably in the back of his mind is considering it a a direct middle finger response to the Tampa Bay lightning. I think so it was a combination of both. Most of the injuries, the avalanche cited were, were known or understood to have been to have been happening. Right. The real revelation, of course, is is uh, Kemper's situation when it was very obvious at one point that he was having trouble seeing the putt. And it's just, it's so fascinating to me. You can't, it would be ludicrous to second guess what Jared Bednar did right. in putting Kemper in right. the way it turned out. So I'm, I'm using 2020 hindsight here now. But think of no the phenomenon. Int- no pun intended. No, but think of the phenomenon here that you're playing a guy in goal 
whose job it is to stop the puck, who's having trouble seeing the puck. What does it say about Francois then? It shows absolutely zero, no faith in him at all. Mm. And until this revelation, I think, but but again, this was fairly well sensed that there was something going on and going on along these lines. And the only reason he had reservations about it was, would he really do that? Would he really put a guy in net he knows he's having trouble seeing the puck? Well, I'll say this about— After, after Ryan Johansson's stick got him in the eye in Nashville, and then he essentially pulled himself uh, in one of the St. Louis games. Well, I'll say this about Bednar. I don't think he ever would have said that if the Avs had lost the cup to Tampa because then he would have really set himself up to be criticized. But at the end of the day, while you can criticize him and say you you brought in a guy who had a difficult time seeing as your goalie, what a foolish move. At the end of the day, you can't criticize him at all. You know no. why? It worked. No, and, It and, worked. And uh, Kemper's, when the game he pulled himself was the first game against Edmonton. Right, in which he was getting shelled. But he, and the he, final was eight to six. But he and he also pulled himself because he obviously knew there was something wrong there. Right, but I got to tell you, um, you know, you and I talked about this probably about a week or so ago, that Bednar, like Clint Hurdle in two thousand and seven, like Gary Kubiak in two thousand and fifteen, had a knack and a gift of understanding his players and pulling all the right levers. But I mean, you could all, here the only thing that I can compare this to would be with Manning coming in in the final regular season game against San Diego at the time. Now it's the LA Chargers but against the San Diego Chargers where Osweiler you know, I'll, I'll, I'll go to my grave saying this and no one will convince me otherwise that the only reason Manning got into that game, how well do you remember that game? Not very well. Okay, well I'll just go through it with you then. The, I believe the Broncos were up seven to nothing, and Osweiler threw a perfect strike to Emmanuel Sanders, and he almost made it into the end zone, but he fumbled. And if he goes into the end zone or he doesn't fumble, balls at like the five, 10 yard line, mm-hmm. Broncos probably score a touchdown there. It's 14 nothing, and Peyton Manning never sees the field. Never sees the mm-hmm. field. I understand the interceptions. One was not on him. A couple, you can make the case, certainly were on Brock Osweiler. However, Kubiak made the decision, I'm going to put in a guy who is injured, who hasn't played in a long time, and who knows what would have happened with Manning. Let's be honest. Passing numbers-wise, stats-wise, there was nothing impressive about what he did. However, just his command in the huddle is one reason why the offense was able to do just enough in order to win a Mm -hmm. Super Bowl, right? Right. But now you look at Darcy Kemper. Very similar, (laughs) right? Just enough. He was able to do just enough. But think about this for a second. What does it say about Darcy Kemper that he's singing optometrist two to three times a day and pitches a shutout in game two? I know he didn't have a lot of shots on him. I get that. However, he didn't give up any goals. And then in game six, he gives up one. How How good could this guy have been if he could see 2020? That's a good question, and it's an imponderable answer. Uh, I would say that he's, the impression I've gotten and the respect I've gotten for him honestly has been raised considerably. I mean, I will admit that. I threw out these numbers to you. In the 10 wins that he had, his goals against average is 1.74. 
in the three of the four games he won in the cup final, his goals against average was 0.88. And he was seeing an optometrist two to three times a day, according to your better. So, but now here's the question, and we'll get more into this in the second hour of the show because we'll talk about all the impending unrestricted free agents. It, this guy showed some chutzpah. He showed some stones playing and actually considering playing played exceptionally exceptionally well considering the injury that he had don't you really need to consider seriously bringing him back i would like to see what the the rest of his teammates thought about him during that process too whether you know that when Tons Bed, of respect when, well when bednard made the decision to go with kemper in the back of my mind i'm sitting there wondering what did the players think and it's obvious now the players were 100% for that move because of their respect. They knew. For what Darcy was going through. Right. They knew exactly what was going on. And that I'm not going to compare this to I think it was Jack Youngblood playing in a game with a broken leg. I'm not going to compare it to that. However, when you're playing arguably the most important position on the ice and a puck is coming at you at times at 90 miles an hour, and you're seeing three pucks, and you have to pick the one in the middle? Because <laughs> I'm guessing Darcy Kemper probably thought he won three Stanley Cup titles because he saw three of them. Here's the way I look at it is that when a goalie gives up a bad goal, his teammates tend to go, you know, they raise their head. Right. And you can see them rolling their eyes a little bit. I think in this case, he gave up some bad goals. Mm -hmm. Some five-hole goals, bad angle goals, <coughs> soft goals, Victor Hedman's. <coughs> off backhand but his teammates I'd like to go back and my assumption is now because I didn't notice at the time and I'm going to guess it wasn't there to be noticed I'm going to guess his teammates didn't give it that that uh, rolled eyes reaction or God you know what do we got to do he can't stop the putt now I, they didn't react that way now in all fairness Kemper was known for giving up rebounds the entire regular yeah. season when his eyes were good <laughs> right he's not a great goaltender I mean this isn't going to change anything in that regard, you can't you can't convince me that he's a great goaltender, but he's a very good one. I will say this, and we'll get more to it in the second hour of the show. You can make a very strong case. He is the best goaltender out there of all unrestricted free agents. And that's why Joe Sackick is going to have a big decision yes, that'll be to tough. make. Right? Yes. He's the he's arguably the best guy out there. And I'll, and I'll just tease it for you. I'll just tease it for everybody listening and everybody watching on milehighsports.com. Here are your top unrestricted free agent goalies. Darcy Kemper, Marc-Andre Fleury, Jack Campbell, and Ville Husso. Those are your top guys. You can make the case they're all kind of the same. You can make that case. But at the end of the day, I think most people would say Kemper's on top of the list because he just won a Stanley Cup title. Coming up after the break. Former Seahawks linebacker K.J. Wright, who is currently a free agent, has played with Geno Smith, has his thoughts on who should be the starting quarterback for the Seattle Seahawks this upcoming season. Did he pick Geno Smith or Drew Locke? That's next. Afternoon drive with Goodman and Fry. 
presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Welcome back. Afternoon drive. Goodman Fry. Watch us. MileHighSports.com. You can reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at T Fry at Eric Goodman. If you are looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to RMFP.com. In the meantime, I just saw something on Twitter that was very interesting. It was Russell Wilson and his wife and Nathaniel Hackett and his wife at Wembley Stadium for an Ed Sheeran uh, concert. (laughs) Now, my first question is, who foot the bill for that? And secondly, wow, what would Vic Fan? The only thing Vic Fangio would watch with his players would be the Hallmark Channel on the couch under a blanket. And what's wrong with that? Nothing is wrong with the Hallmark Channel. Actually, it's on in our house all the time because that's what Mandy loves. Uh-huh. Doesn't mean that I love it. Although the Golden Girls is kind of funny. <laughs> I'll be the first one to Frazier. tell you. But did Mike Shanahan? Would he have? Would he have ever gone to a concert? out of the country with one of his players? How about maybe Bednar would, would Mark Crawford, would Hartley, would George Carl, would Clint Hurdle, would Jim would Jim Tracy, Bud Black? Probably not. That's, un- I mean, you have covered sports longer than I have. You've been in this market since 1976. Is there a coach that you can remember covering? Would they have said, let's go overseas to go see a concert together with our wives? What about Josh McDaniels? Nobody wanted to be around him. (laughs) Nobody wanted to walk across the street with him. Nobody wanted to walk him to his car. He was so despised. So, no, Josh McDaniels is the last guy. But that that tells me what kind of relationship that Hackett is trying to build with his players because it's more than just football. And Vic Fangio was only and all about football and never built those relationships at all. Time now for What's Trending. What's Trending. Presented by Silterhar Mazda. Get to Silterhar in Broomfield for a no-pressure buying experience at Silterhar Mazda or find them at sthmazda.com. Former Seahawks linebacker K.J. Wright, who was part of a couple teams that went to the Super Bowl. One of them won a Super Bowl against the Broncos in 2013. Is currently a free agent, but did play with Geno Smith uh, a couple of years ago. He played last season with the Raiders. And he said about the quarterback competition between Geno Smith and Drew Locke and also mentioned Baker Mayfield. First, he said was, don't bring in Baker Mayfield. So now it's narrowed down to Geno Smith and Drew Locke. And he said, I am team Geno all day. The dude has a cannon for an arm. He's intellectual and the man can play. Just trust him. Just trust Geno. And what I said was, whoever you decide to be your starting quarterback, the other guy has got to leave. You cannot have both of these guys in the building throughout the season because what's going to happen? Let's say they lose three or four games and they're not playing well. What are fans going to do? Put the backup in. That's what they'll say. So the hell with that. Whoever's the starting quarterback, the other guy, you've got to trade him or cut him. Now, right Hasn't seen Locke play in practice at all, even though it's been widely reported that Smith is the front runner heading into training camp. What do you make of all of that? First of all, I'd bring in Baker Mayfield if I were the Seahawks, if they can pull it off. Number two, competition is good in the quarterback position. I don't understand the concept that you're afraid 
you you won't make a move with the quarterback because you're afraid of how fans will react if he has a bad right. Game. Right. I mean, that's just silly. If you're afraid of what the fans are going to say, one day you'll be sitting with the fans. Now, I can make the argument that Geno Smith, I, I can make the argument of going along with his opinion about K.J. Wright's opinion about Geno Smith because we all know that, that uh, he hasn't been the same since getting beat up in 2015. Or Yeah. Talking about Geno Smith? Yeah. Okay. Well, so, that, well, that was seven years ago. That was seven years. But he, he he has been a credible backup quarterback for them. He's paid his dues. He's He knows the organization. And I that would be my argument would be the kind of the stability after Russell left is is the way to go. But I, but the idea that you like him so much, you want him to be the starter and give him another chance to have a deep-rooted deep footprint in the, in the Seahawks' future, to say that means you don't bring any serious competition for him. And I'm I'm already belittling Drew Locke by saying that because I don't really consider him completely serious competition. Well, let's look at Geno so, Smith. Uh, so I bring in Baker Mayfield and and wave Drew Locke goodbye. Geno Smith is a career journeyman backup outside of when he was drafted by had, the Jets. He had two good years with the Jets, don't you think? Well, completing fifty five percent and fifty nine percent of your passes and. Uh, first year, twelve touchdowns, twenty-one interceptions, and uh, twelve touchdowns. And but he threw set, for three thousand yards as a rookie. That's nothing to laugh at. He completed fifty-six percent of his passes. That just means he 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 threw the ball four hundred forty-three times. Yes, it's about how many times you complete it. So yeah, he if, had a credible rookie year, and it showed promise for the future. He was absolutely awful. He threw twelve touchdowns and twenty-one interceptions. He was sacked. 43 times, and his quarterback rating was 66. He was awful. He was absolutely, I mean, I, I mean, I don't know what your metric is for a player. I'm not going to go by yards. I'm going to go by quarterback rating, QBR, completion percentage. His, his, they use it because they didn't have anybody else. Well, listen, he, he was in an awful quarterback class, too. Yeah. Right. Uh, I, I can't remember the first guy who was taken. I think it was a kid out of Florida State. He was taken in the first round. Geno Smith was a second-round pick. He's been nothing more than a journeyman. However, now that he's a veteran, last year he was terrific filling in for Russell Wilson. He completed 68% of his passes, five touchdowns, one interception. His quarterback rating was 103, and I don't know how many games they won, but you can't necessarily blame it on him. So he was better. Why are we taking K.J. Wright's word so seriously? And, I, and that's another, not a belittling question, but a, why is it? What, what why is what he is saying so important? It's not, to be perfectly honest with you, because he's not with the team. If he was with the team, <clears throat> that makes sense. He probably has a relationship with Geno Smith, mm-hmm. and that's fine. And Geno Smith was actually pretty good last year. At least statistically, he was pretty good last year. And he does know the system. And Drew Locke does not know the system. But to, to say that you're worried about what the fans are going to say, <clears throat> I'm not some huge Drew Locke guy. I was I, I was always in favor of Bridgewater being the starter, mm-hmm. but the truth is, um, J- Drew Locke has his issues. Specifically, his processor isn't that fast mm-hmm. when it comes to diagnosing plays. He doesn't know the offense yet, and he wasn't the key part of the deal for Russell Wilson. The key part of the deal were all those draft picks. Um, but no, you don't get rid of him. You don't get rid of Drew Locke unless the two guys just don't get along. You can't have a situation where it's Locke and Jeff Driscoll which is what it was a couple of years ago. John Elway brought in Jeff Driscoll 
The guy could not play a lick. You had no competition for July. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm not a believer in competition at all. Actually, oh, I am. You know why? Because if you have competition, that means you don't have your guy. Period. End of statement. Undebatable. Let me ask you. You, you mean you're a, you're going along with the idea that if you don't have a, you don't have the guy. Neither one of them is any good. Is there competition for Justin Simmons? No. Is there competition for Pat Sertan? No, because they're really good. Mm-hmm. If there's competition, there's competition at right tackle. You know why? You have three guys that you don't know who should be the Billy guy. Turner. Right. And it probably will be Billy Turner. How come there's no competition for Garrett Bowles? Because now he has a resume where the guy can play. So if you have competition at a position, you probably don't have your guy. There are exceptions. And I'll give you the example. Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams. That, to me, is more of a competition. Because both guys can play, and both guys are pretty good. But generally speaking, competition is not good. just means you don't have your guy, specifically a quarterback. Was there ever any competition for John Elway or Peyton Manning? Harry Kubiak. Now you're saying whether to go at, to claim the starting role. No, but they had the one, they had the one uh, awkward situation where they took Tommy Maddox in the draft. Well, that was a foolish draft. Pick. Well, it was supposed he he was supposed to be not necessarily competing with John L- Elway, but be in position to succeed. And who drafted him? Dan Reeves. Oh, the the Dan Reeves who didn't try and accentuate what John Elway does best. No. until the fourth quarter with two minutes to go. Dan Reeves to me is a Hall of Fame head coach. No, but he but, is. But, but but he did bring in he did bring in Tommy Matt. Wasted draft pick. He didn't know how to use John Elway because all all he wanted yeah. to do is run the ball. That, I'm that's not on denying him. any of yeah. that. I'm just saying he did draft Tommy Maddox, and it was and it was a mistake. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. The, the other thing is, I was covering the Pac-12 at the time, Pac-8, Pac-12, right, Pac-14, pretty soon. Yeah, that Tommy Maddox was a really good college football player. So was Brian Greasy. And so the idea that it was just a ludicrous draft pick, it was a ludicrous draft. It was a ludicrous draft pick because they had John Elway. It right. wasn't a ludicrous draft choice. Because they drafted Tommy Maddox. Tommy Maddox ended up having a, a kind of a weird up and down but productive career. Well, let's remember back then when you won the Heisman Trophy as a quarterback, and there are lots of them in that era, you were an awful NFL quarterback. You and I can go through the list. David Klingler. I mean, so many guys who were the best quarter. Look at Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow was a fantastic college quarterback. Yes, he was. So was Achilles Smith. And so was David Klingler. Keely Smith is one of the greatest college college quarterbacks. Yeah. And he sucked as a pro. Yes, he, really, and that's my point. He's really befuddling. It's a totally it's a totally different game. Couch. And we can st- there you go. And you can start with the hash marks, and that's a whole nother topic. What do we have coming up on Mountain High Appliance, just in case you missed it? Pageantry, something we talk a lot about with sports. We got a front row seat to it when the Avs were lifting the cup on Sunday night. We'll also uh, talk about some of the other sports it's in with Wimbledon going on right now, too. That's coming up next right here on Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry on Mile High Sports. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silter Har Mazda. 
a no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Welcome back. Afternoon drive. Goodman Fry. Watch us. MileHighSports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at T Fry at Eric Goodman. If you are looking for wholesale lumber to the public, not retail, but wholesale, go to RMFP.com. Time now for the final word. The final word. Is presented by the McKenzie Law Firm. Don't wait before it's too late. Protect your family by setting up a will, living will, or estate plan with Dan McKenzie at themckenziefirm.com. Just in case you missed it. Presented by Mountain High Appliance, Colorado's favorite appliance store for 25 years in Louisville, Colorado Springs, and now open in their new store in Littleton. Go to mountainhighappliance.com. Just in case you missed it, pageantry, a big part of sports. It's part of the entertainment aspect and part of why fans get so into it because it matters and it's special. Uh, it's day three of Wimbledon. That's an event that has a lot of pageantry. The grass courts, competitors wearing all white, appearances from the British royal family. Oh, uh, God, that's the worst part. <laughs> God, a, a, bun- a bunch of people milking taxes off of people in the U.K., including Scotland, in which they hate the English, and the Irish hate the English just as much. That's my political statement for the day. <laughs> I've heard in Liverpool they're not too fond of uh, of the royal family also. Bunch of rich people getting rich off of other people. That's what they are. Uh, so, yeah, Wimbledon, whether or not you have strong feelings about <laughs> the royal family, the a lot of pageantry. Yes. Uh, there's a lot of pageantry in the Stanley Cup presentation, which we saw just a couple nights ago. Yes. A lot of pageantry in an event like the Masters, which is the premier event in golf. Please don't tell me you're going to ask me, and Terry, is there another one that has pageantry? Because you just named pretty much all of them. Did I name all of them? No, not all of them, but you named most of them. Well, what sport has the most pageantry incorporated into its competition and everything surrounding the games? I would say the Masters because I No, he already said the Masters. He, no, he, he said he, which what no, sport do no, you he think said incorporates all of them. the most he, he, he went he went Wimbledon, the Masters, what else did you hit? You took all of them. What was the other one? I said Stanley Cup. And Stanley Cup. You got anything else? Anything cuz I do have one. Is there the anything sport else? Sport that incorporates the most pageantry is golf. With the chiefly music going down the fairway of the Masters and uh, the British Open. He's looking for this, an event. This, this, it's an event, golf. No, no, a specific the event. Masters. I said sport. So he, if he okay. wants to say golf, he can include I all the majors. I want to say golf. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to say golf. It's the, we uh, over we over uh, legitimize it as kind of a, quote, uh, great event. Right. I think we get carried away with covering it in the media. Right. But the fact of the matter is there is a lot of pageantry to it. The question you asked was similar to this question. Pick a number between one and five besides one, two, three, four, and five. But I can give you a couple. I would love to hear them. For starters, the Kentucky Derby is right up there, if not potentially at the top of the list. Is that, have you been to it? No, I've not. Bucket list? No. There, there really isn't a bucket list Mint thing juleps. for me in sports. Mint juleps. Thing. Have you I been? I have not, but okay. I've been to big horse races and the major horse track. I'll give you some others. The Ryder Cup. And that is something that I have covered. And it's the greatest event I have ever covered. I don't think anything will ever top it because of the pageantry and because of the crowd. I just get depressed when Europe kicks the hell out of us. Didn't happen last time. 
The last time was the, the U.S. kicked the hell out of Europe. Now I'll give you another one that I covered. The Indianapolis 500 has a ton of pageantry. Um, it, it's an amazing event. By the way, here's something a lot of people don't know about the Indianapolis 500. Would you like to know just how big the infield is for the Indianapolis 500? How big 500? is the infield at the Indianapolis 500? There's a golf course in the middle of it. There's a lot of pageantry on the golf course in the middle. I don't know of it. if there's pageantry, but Danny, I know you probably thought you were going to name everything, but I think we came up with some good ones. Did we do all right? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I like all those. Oh, I got, I got one. I yeah. got one. The Olympics. Oh, that's the big one. I think that one probably takes the cake. Probably does. Yeah, I've covered about I don't know ten Olympics. Have you? Yeah. Summer it, and it's wh- heart, which literally heartwarming. Good one. It's heartwarming. What's the best one you covered? 1988. Uh, Nagano? No, 92 Barcelona. Was the oh. I enjoyed the most. Do, were you in Nagano in 88? No, I was not. And the U.S. Olympic hockey team was, wait, 90? When did the when did the pros start playing? Well, 98. That was the first one. 98. At Nagano. And they played in 2002. No, that was, Nagano was 88. Not- I mean, what, yeah, 88. And then uh, that was the first. Yes, that was the first professional NHL players in the Olympics. I have never covered an Olympics, and i got to tell you, I have zero interest. To me, it's like a circus that I'd get lost in. Go ahead, Danny. Just in case you missed it, uh, Kale McCarr, a nominee for Best Championship Performance at the ESPYs, which are coming up uh, later next month, July 20th. Other nominees in that category, Cooper Cup, uh, Juliana Pena, who was victorious in her bantamweight title bout at UFC 269, and Max Verstappen of F1, who won the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, passing Lewis Hamilton in the final lap. Will Kale add another award to his already impressive trophy case? I'd have to go with Cooper Cup on that one. Yeah, it's going to be, well, first of all, it's the NFL. And secondly, Cooper Cup had one of the greatest seasons in the history of the NFL for a wide receiver. Yeah, I think it'll be Cooper Cup. He was spectacular in the Super Bowl, and that's that's the championship performance. So I think that he's probably going to walk away with it. Unfortunately, any any surprise? There's no Steph Curry among the nominees there. It's almost as if it, it was too close to the nomination period. What? Well, when did the when did people start voting for that? I don't know. I, don't I really know. don't pay attention to the ESPYS. I'll be honest. Kale McCarr's championship performance was after. It was after. It's yes. good. Danny, that's a good point. What do you have to say to that? You're not going to let him talk to you that way, are you? No. Good. Stop it, Danny. Yeah, Danny. Don't be picking on. Only I can pick on Terry. The Winter Olympics were in, in Nagano were 1998. What did I say? I. What was? Oh, was it Seoul in '88? Yeah. Well, there was there was Barcelona. Yep. Uh, that that I Barcelona. really '92. That was really really enjoyed. That '96 was Atlanta. And so, yeah, I, I enjoyed them all. I moved to Atlanta about two months, about three months after the Centennial bombing, after the Olympics. In Albertville, I really enjoyed Albertville. That was they had the Olympics up in the mountains and everything else. Of all, of all, of the events that you covered in the Olympics, and you can only pick one. What was it? The best? Actually, I like the downhill because it's it's like so devilish, devil right. devil may care, so dangerous, and actually stood. At, at Val stood at the top of the yep. uh, downhill run and looked down. I'm going to tell you a quick story, and I know we got to hit a break, okay? 1998, it was where again? In Nagano. Nagano. Okay. So I'm anchoring on CNN at the time, and there's a reason why I'm telling you this. 
I was doing morning sports cut-ins for all of the news shows. And the and uh, Dominic Hasek had just beaten Russia one to nothing in the finals. Does that sound right to you? Yeah, they yes. Okay, so and because they had beaten they had beaten the Canadians in the semifinals. Right. So I go on the air. This is a honest to God true story. I go on the air and said, and Czechoslovakia beats Russia. I get off the air and with about in within three minutes, our senior producer of my shows gets a phone call. And you know what the phone call was? Tell your effing sportscaster that if he doesn't know the difference between Czechoslovakia and the Czech Republic, he should not be anchoring on CNN internationally. Oh, gee. Oh, geez is right. That was Mountain High Appliance. Just in case you missed it, you can walk in any store, try out the appliances before you buy them. It's her sales staff that really sets them apart. When you make a purchase like an appliance, you know, listen, it's not going to be, it's an investment. And you want to work with people who can get you what you want. That's what you're going to find at Mountain High Appliance for sure. You can find them in Louisville, Littleton. You can also find their clearance center in Denver. Coming up after the break, Nuggets, at least in my opinion, made a significant move to bolster the roster. And we'll also tell you why national guys who don't cover local teams should shut the hell up when giving their opinion about teams they don't cover. That's next.